That's why we didn't do an episode the third week of March. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, my fucking throat. I know. Guys, hello, kicking and streaming fans. <laughs> We are coming from the editing bay to say that we will be taking a break from our schedule this week. Uh, guys, I'm sorry. We had a fourth idea, but uh, no. No, we stressed ourselves into a corner. Ross ended up with a head cold. So we're giving ourselves a week to let our voices heal. But in the meantime... We're still recording, though. I know. I know. <laughs> Just to say hi, we're sorry. Like, Yeah. Uh, hi. We're sorry. Enjoy the weekly program. (laughs) (laughs) We are rebroadcasting another good historical drama episode, which does not have anything to do with the king, but it has something to do with the queen. You know what? It's kind of on our theme for March. Knights and kings. Knights and kings. And one queen. And one queen. (laughs) And all of the servitude of her various, quote, knights. I'm very, very sorry about the double Jeffrey Rush this month, guys. Guys, that's the same note I took. I was like... (laughs) I'm really sorry about the double dose of Jeffrey Rush, but we, we got to do it to you. <laughs> Creepy dude, Jeffrey Rush is here yet again. <laughs> oh my God. We also got double of someone else this month. Who was it? We had we had we had double Laura Frazier too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because she's in Man in the Iron Mask, but she's also <laughs> in A Knight's Tale. And guys, don't worry. Next week we'll be back bringing you, as promised, the Man in the Iron Mask episode. But while you wait for that, please get thee over to Patreon and check out our singular little onion tier, where for only five dollars you'll get access to bonus features outtakes and we guys we just dropped the golden girls episode yes indeed it is up we would love for you guys to go over to our patreon and check that out we love you guys we thank you for being patient with us sorry i don't have a lot to say (laughs) (laughs) we love you guys thanks again for being here we hope you enjoy today's rerun (laughs) okay we gotta go get you a cup of tea indeed Are we bringing back the bad impressions of the theme? <laughs> no, like at the be- like <laughs> we, you, you haven't done that in a while. That theme at the beginning, where it kind of sounds like when the wraiths are cornering them on Weathertop. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dramatic, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where our people are our only care. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1998 historical drama, Elizabeth. Yes! Go, girl boss! Go off, queen! Is it just Elizabeth or is there a subtitle? No, it's just Elizabeth. Oh, okay. Which I, thought, I like. I thought she it, is the first. I thought it was like Elizabeth the Virgin Queen or something, because the sequel's called Elizabeth the Golden Age. Nope, just Elizabeth. All right, just one word, Elizabeth. Like Cher. Because she is the first. And the only. And the only. At this point, yeah, the only. Yeah, guys, we're getting a lot of royal family talk, so we figured we'd hit you with a royal family movie. Megxit blew up like three times now. (laughs) I love it. Like, at the top of this episode, I just want to say, fuck the royal family, fuck imperialist England, and fuck Piers Morgan. And guys, I'm sorry if I've been a little bit of an imperialist apologist in any other episodes. You know, I just love my royal shit, but like, I get it. Yeah. It it needs to end. Highly problematic stuff. Did you see Barbados is Moving. Go for it, Barbados! <laughs> Hell yes! 
Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. Don't forget, folks, in these times, be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join our little watch party. When you're watching that Oprah interview for the 13th time, maybe while you're on Twitter, give us a retweet. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that we're more important than the royal family. I'm just saying that there are other important things. We are our own royal family. Aww. Aww, but you know what that means? What does that mean? You're the heir and I'm the spare. Oh, yes! Which means my life's gonna suck. (laughs) The queen is dead. Long live the queen. Elizabeth. A court to worship you, a country to obey you. Poems written celebrating your beauty, music composed in your honor, and they will be nothing to you. Your Majesty should know that you have inherited a most powerless and degenerate state. It's threatened from abroad by the ambitions of France and Spain and is weaker in strength, in men, monies, and riches than I have ever known it. Why we must tear ourselves apart for this small question of religion. Surely, my lords, it is better to have a single church of England. Madam, the bishops are against you and have no fear of you. They do not expect you to survive. Your majesty would improve all these matters if you would agree to marry. I may be a woman, but if I choose, I have the heart of a man. I will have one mistress here. And no master! And it will be done. Her Majesty's body and person are no longer her own property. They belong to the state. I am my father's daughter. I am not afraid of anything. Innocence is the most precious thing you possess. Lose that and you lose your soul. Guys, Carrie Ann thought the movie was hella boring. Oh my god, okay. So since you're gonna out me right from the top, like, I was just like, I was watching it and I was like, why am I bored? This movie has a lot of great things. We have romance, we have political intrigue, we have assassination plots. There's a lot to like here. But throughout most of it, I was like, wow, why am I bored? (laughs) This makes no sense. No, yeah. Here it is again, folks. You can't have both. You can either have great production or great talent. You cannot have both. Nope. But, like, I can't tell what's more flawed here. <laughs> is it the production or the talent? Because the talent's all right. You know, I know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and the production is also pretty stellar, so... You know what I think you have a problem with? Oh, no. The historical inaccuracy. Okay, listen, guys. A lot of the historical inaccuracy around this film comes down to timeline and the age of everybody involved. Like, certain characters have been aged down to, like, I don't know, fit in with the Elizabethan posse. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, her 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 main woman of the bedchamber, Cat Ashley. Mm-hmm. She cared for her when she was a child. Oh, and okay. now they're, like, the 
same age in this movie? I don't know. It's weird. Ross, as you know, is our in-house UK royal lineage expert, and he is going to be providing the Wikipedia-style factoids throughout this recording. So, Shakar Kapoor. He's an Indian film director. He's also he's also acted in a couple of things. He's basically known for a lot of works in Hindi cinema. He's big in Bollywood. Yes! Y'all, if you have never seen a Bollywood movie, you have to check it out. They're amazing. And his involvement in this project itself just showcases to you the imperialism of British royalty. Mm-hmm. Now, I do kind of love that we have an Indian director like making a movie about these imperialist assholes. And I mean, like, the British have not only looted every country in the world, but they have just torn themselves apart inside to where they're basically not humans anymore. Not the British people, the British monarchy, the establishment, the firm. Do you think it's a Horcrux situation? Like, every time they colonized another country where they didn't belong, their soul just continued. To break. Yeah, the Commonwealth of Nations. You ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, I sure have. <laughs> 53 countries in this bitch, of which the Queen is head of state of 16 of them. Now yep. that Barbados is gone, I just, I'm ready for the Commonwealth to fall like dominoes. Or ready for them to stick together without the Queen. Yeah. Because they don't need her. They really don't. Guys, we're so off topic. We're talking <laughs> about Queen Elizabeth I today. Oh, God. And Shakar Kapoor's 1998 Elizabeth. All right, continue then. Anyways. Folks, you might have guessed it, but we have names. In her first kicking and streaming appearance. Which I can't believe. I know, I know. We have Ms. Kate Blanchett, everyone. Kate. Hi, honey. Guys, we of course know Kate Blanchett as the ethereal Lady Galadriel from the Lord of the Rings saga. And the Hobbit movies. Uh, (laughs) I know. Do we have to... Do we have to include that? Yes, honey, because she was in those movies. <laughs> okay, okay, I guess. Of course, you know her from this and Elizabeth the Golden Age, Blue Jasmine, Carol. I love Carol. Have you ever seen Carol? No. She did, She did, Guess what? She plays a lesbian. You and I need to watch Ocean's 8. Oh, with all the women in like, it. I don't care about any of the other Ocean's films. <laughs> I just want to watch Ocean's 8. Yes. For some, for some real woman power. And guys, e-girl update. She's going to be in the board Borderlands movie that's coming out. She's going to be playing like one of the main characters. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm I'm just excited for a Borderlands movie. Guys, in his first and mm, probably only. No, he'll I know he'll be back for a fact. Oh, but no. We have Jeffrey Rush here who let me just say, is a great actor, but the women of Australia don't care for Jeffrey Rush. Oh no, is he a uh, yeah. Oh, no! Uh, he's been accused of uh, creepy shit. I love him as an actor. He's in a lot of great things, but apparently, uh, privately, he's just probably not the best. Uh, you know him, of course, we said he is Captain Hector Barbosa in the Pirates of the Caribbean saga. Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Barbosa's first name is Hector? Yeah. I'm just now learning this. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway... I, 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 of course, love him as uh, Lionel Logue in The King's Speech with Colin Firth. Um, he's the Marquis de Sade in Quills with Kate Winslet. Oh, ew. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It, right? The yeah. role I guess he was born to play. Ew. Yeah, he's a freak. He's a freak. Just look at him. He looks like an Australian Krusty the Clown. <laughs> look at him. Guys, look at, look at the Wikipedia page. He just looks crazy. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway. Oh, my God. Okay, we have, 
in his first and maybe only kicking and streaming appearance, because I don't want to do Shakespeare in Love. No, see, this is who I thought you were going to bring up just now. We have Joseph Fiennes. And he's, of course, the brother of Ray Fiennes, who plays Lord Voldemort in the Harry Potter saga. Oh, are they brothers? Yeah, they're brothers. I wondered about that. You also, you guys will probably know Joseph Fiennes for his role as Monsignor Timothy Howard in American Horror Story Asylum. That was a good season. I know nobody likes Asylum. I liked Asylum. Like, listen, I know it's not right for priests and nuns to bone, but I really wanted the hot and heavy between Jessica Lange and Joseph Fiennes. Uh, like, I really did. The reason I can't stand him as an actor, he eternally creeps me out, and it's really not his fault. Like, his role in Asylum, coupled with his role in Handmaid's Tale as as the commander, like, it just... It, it, it poisons every other performance for me. Ryan Murphy has a type. Yes, he does. And Joseph Fiennes is one of them. Yes, he is. <laughs> we have, in his first and definitely not only kicking and streaming appearance, Sir Richard Attenborough. Oh, yes. John Hammond in Jurassic Park, everyone. Yeah. Uh, we love him. <laughs> We're going to have to do this soon. Yeah, we sure are. We love him for his portrayal of Joseph's father, Jacob, in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You guys remember the taped version with Donny Osmond? Your Christian grandma probably made you watch it when you stayed at her house on the weekend. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. You know what? You know what? You might know his brother, David Attenborough. He, he? Nar- he narrates all the planet Earth crap. Oh, does he really? Yeah. A praying mantis. I don't know. I'm sorry. That was awful. Please don't include that. You know I'm gonna. <laughs> In his first and probably only kicking and streaming appearance, Doctor Who is here. Oh my god, um, um, Chris Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston, absolutely. Like I just said, you know him as the ninth incarnation of Doctor Who on BBC's Doctor Who. He's he's in a horror movie with Nicole Kidman called The Others. That's a good movie. He's big in British theater. Oh, yeah. He's big on the West End. He's big with the old Vic, Royal Shakespeare Company. You know he's doing all the Shakespeare's. I think he's kind of wasted on film and television. A little bit, I would say like, so. He's just so bombastic and big with his facial expressions and the way he moves. It's just like he's built for theater. See, like, I hated him so much just from this movie. And then when Kayla finally made me watch Doctor Who with her, Uh I I found him positively delightful. And I'm like, the contrast here is striking. Exactly. We have... It might be her only kicking and streaming appearance, folks. We have a very unique cast here today, but we have Miss Kathy Burke here with us today. Um, she is notable for her stints on Absolutely Fabulous, oh, right. uh, French and Saunders. Like She's big in British TV. She's a British television icon. You know, icon's a little strong. <laughs> she's hilarious, though. Like I love her. Other notable names, Fanny Ardant, Vincent Cassell. You know Vincent Cassell from Black Swan. He's her creepy instructor. Oh, ew, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of the conspirators, isn't he, Mm -hmm. in this movie? Right. We've got Emily Mortimer, Kelly McDonald. I love Kelly McDonald. You know Kelly McDonald from uh, her portrayal of the Grey Lady in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I love her in Black Mirror when she's in Hated in the Nation. She's in Nanny McPhee. She's in a bunch of faves. Guys, Daniel Craig is here? Yeah! Like, weirdly, like, he, he he's a bad guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's an assassin priest. Exactly. It's very on brand. John Gielgud. Oh, yeah! John Gielgud, 
you know, like the Gil Good Theater. Yeah. Pope Pius in this movie. He's a big deal. Like, we're not going to talk about him a lot because it's just a bunch of stuff that most of you have never seen. Yeah, no, John Gil Good was in the Lawrence Olivier Mafia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love how every time that we come upon a cluster of actors that work together all the time, there's suddenly a mafia. All right. All right. We got to we got to unpack this, guys. Promise me, bud, that you will not keep us here for two and a half hours. Okay. So, just a real just a little bit of history right off the bat. Okay. We are dealing with 16th century Europe. You know what was going on in 16th century Europe? A lot of head chopping. This is reformationism, y'all. This is the Inquisition. Like, remember how King Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wives, but that's not cool with Catholicism, so he just started a whole new religion? The Church of England. Yeah. Anglicanism, baby. And in this movie, now King Henry has died, and we're dealing with the super bloody reformationist fallout. Yeah, no. Uh, the Catholics are on the rampage. We're just gonna kill you if you're not Catholic. That kind of thing. Yeah. This chorus gets me every time. This chorus is out of control. And like, it sounds really dramatic, but like the thing that really undercuts it is this really bad screensaver kind of effect. (laughs) You don't like the graphics. No, because like we've got these title cards that are giving us facts to prime us for the movie. And underneath the title cards, all of these little crosses are just zipping around under the text like a flock of seagulls. And I'm like, who did this? This opening sequence does kind of make me go, okay, go off period piece. Like, let's do this. Since you're going to be doing most of the information dumps, can I please read the text of these dramatic title cards? Take me into one of my favorite chapters in history. England, 1554. Henry VIII is dead. The country is divided. Catholic against Protestant. Henry's eldest daughter, Mary, a fervent Catholic, is queen. She is childless. The Catholic's worst fear is the succession of Mary's Protestant half-sister, Elizabeth. Um, trigger warning I have is my first (laughs) note, because in all capital letters I have, and we're burning Protestants. Sorry, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. But like, this movie starts out really rough. Picture it, England, 1554. You are living day to day hoping people won't figure out you're a Protestant. Right. And if they do, you're going to die. And your whole family is likely to die along with you. And you, there are purges every day. They're looking for you. If they know that you've been to, like, they would use baptismal records. Oh my God. To come and get you. What Queen Mary the First has done. She has married herself to the King of Spain. Yeah. Felipe II. Who is not interested in her. No, not at all. This is basically to unify Catholicism in the two greatest powers in Europe. Spain and England. Exactly. This is the point in the Adjustment Bureau where they're talking about they let us alone for a little bit. Oh yeah, during this portion of history. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And look how bad we messed it up. And we absolutely destroyed ourselves. Listen to me, we. Yeah, I know. We weren't alive. We're from America. (laughs) Anyway. Or from that country, you're right. <laughs> Even if we were alive back then, we probably wouldn't be there. I guess it was never impressed upon me in history class, for obvious reasons, how violent these times were. Exactly. Like, there are children watching. Like, what a traumatizing event. And the cycle of trauma continues. 
Chris Eccleston, Doctor Who, is here as the Duke of Norfolk, everybody. Guys, the Duke of Norfolk is always, like, Earl Marshall. Like, the Duke of Norfolk has always been the sovereign's, like, main hang Mm -hmm. in England. Like, the Duke of Norfolk is usually just, like, you know, the chief peer. You know, like, he's the one that's usually running the show. So, um, the Duke of Norfolk is informed that the Queen is with child. Oh, and he's wigging. (laughs) Yeah. This is really good news. Your Grace, the Queen is with child. They should have consulted me before they rang the bells. This is super duper good news because the Duke of Norfolk is on the side of the Catholics. Yes, he is a fervent Catholic. And he wants to see a Catholic heir take the throne. Yeah, and fine, because, you know, Mary, I'm sorry, not Mary, Queen of Scots. (laughs) Guys, I need to make this distinction right now. Mary I of England and Mary, Queen of Scots are two separate individuals. Aren't they cousins? Yes, they are cousins. All right. Mary's mother was Catherine of Aragon, Henry's first wife. Right. And basically, you know, women are not included in primogenitures, so... I'm sorry, what was that word? Primogeniture. What does that mean? Primogeniture is succession, basically. Oh, okay. The succession to the throne goes in the order you were born. Mm-hmm. Like, before 2013, it was all the males and then the females. Okay. So Princess Anne was third behind her three brothers, despite the fact two of them are younger than her. That's so stupid and sexist. I know, but now Princess Charlotte is right behind Prince George. As it should be. Yeah, and they only changed that law in anticipation of Prince George being a girl (laughs) so that they could have another queen. Oh my God. But no, no, we're going to have to see what George pops out. So we finally meet Mary the First. Yeah, and the announcement's been made, and she is sitting with the King of Spain. The core privy council here is the Duke of Norfolk, the Earl of Sussex, the Earl of Arundel, Bishop Gardner, whatever the hell his name is, and also present we have Alvaro de la Cuadra, who is the Spanish ambassador, because if Philip's here, Quadra's gonna be here. <laughs> He's his shadow. Exactly. And I just love how sus Philip looks because he know he didn't he knows he didn't impregnate this woman. Exactly. He knows something's up because he won't share her bed. Your Majesties, this is most wondrous news. Indeed. We do thank God for this, our most happy condition. We must also thank His Majesty for this blessed mm-hmm. event, which is nothing short of a miracle. I love Kathy Burke. She's she's so masterful in this role. The fact that she's a comedian and is able to do this so well, like, I just, it astounds me. I love how Queen Mary goes, we must thank God for this, our most happy condition. And Philip takes his hand out of hers. <laughs> and the way the Duke goes, we must also thank his majesty. And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> Even if she was actually pregnant, he does, he does not have the goods. <laughs> he didn't do this. She did. <laughs> Also, I'd like to mention the Duke of Norfolk is bawling one of the women of the bedchamber. That's how he has, like, the intimate details about what's going on between Philip and Mary. Yeah, he uses the pillow talk to get intel. Like, the Duke of Norfolk is basically running England. Yeah. And um, he's going to be the mastermind in all of the Catholic evil plans. So, basically, um, there has been a Protestant plot to remove Mary and elevate... Princess Elizabeth, her half-sister. Yeah, there's so much political intrigue and stuff going on in this movie that sometimes it's difficult to keep up, but just stay with us. If you want to research about it, search Thomas Wyatt. You can read all about it. Mm -hmm. Thomas Wyatt was the one trying to elevate Elizabeth to the throne. Okay. And basically, you know, Henry VIII was married to Anne Boleyn. He wanted to separate from her, wouldn't allow it. He started the Church of England. 
beheaded Anne Boleyn, and Princess Elizabeth was declared a bastard, despite the fact she was born a legitimate princess. When he and Anne Boleyn were married. Yes. That's shitty. Yeah, it is. It was, I think Elizabeth was like two or three mm-hmm. when she was beheaded. Oh, no. Yeah, so she didn't ever really know her mother. And she kind of grew up out of sight, away from her father. Like, she was kept in other palaces, raised by other courtiers. Because, mm-hmm. like, hey, kid, I'm sorry I like did that to your mom, but, like... <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. That's so horrible. Yeah, yeah. So they just decide they're just going to find proof of her treachery, despite <laughs> the fact that she's really not doing anything. There's just a movement being corralled around her. It's like Katniss in the Hunger Games. They just kind of make her the Mockingjay, even though she never really asked for it. That's what takes me off about this movie, is that she's just trying to exist. And exactly. Everybody's just pissed off about she's it. She's just trying to exist and follow her faith. Like, that's it. Cut to some ladies just vibing. Oh my god, we are in a meadow, and we, it is sunny, it is beautiful, and I have in my notes, it's been ten minutes and we're just now seeing Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I love her ladies-in-waiting. Oh like, no. They're all just playing in a field, <laughs> and like, if I were queen, I would definitely have like six of my best friends around me at all times. Joseph Fiennes as Sir Robert Dudley. He was the Earl of Leicester. He comes riding up with one of Elizabeth's ladies-in-waiting. I love the ladies-in-waiting. They're one of my favorite parts of this movie. He is hotter than a Protestant burning. Like, oh, my, just, oh, my God! Ross! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's important. Like, I know we don't like him, like, all the way throughout, but he is so fine. May I join you, my lady? If it please you, sir. And so um, Lady Elizabeth and Lord Robert, um, they fucking, they are completely entangled. Like he was, you know, the favorite. Yeah. That term, the favorite. Uh-huh. Like Lord Robert's the favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> Kate Blanchett is Elizabeth Tudor. She looks like her every single bit. I, I, I would love to think that that's exactly what she sounds like. If it please you, sir. You know, like, there's no other person that could have played this role. Okay. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Exactly. The Earl of Sussex shows up to arrest Elizabeth for high treason against the crown. And she's just like, well, I I gotta go. Like, I can't just, <laughs> what am I gonna do, run? <laughs> she's committed to the Tower of London where her own mother suffered and died. Okay, I had forgotten all about her captivity in the Tower of London, which is crazy to me because I actually read a book about it when I was a kid. It was from, like, young Elizabeth's perspective inside the tower. So she's interrogated by Bishop Gardner, the Earl of Arundel, and the Duke of, and the Earl of Sussex. They are circling her like vultures. This scene first demonstrated to me the hatred within Christianity. Like the 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 infighting, so to speak. Exactly. Like Christians hate other religions all over the world. But you will meet some Christians who just hate other Christians. Yeah. Because they think they're doing Christianity wrong. Exactly. And I just, I, wow, you can't even catch a break. We can't even, listen to me, we. <laughs> Not we. Christians can't even have solidarity within their own religion. You see it sometimes in the queer community with TERFs and people who are biphobic, bi-exclusionary. Catholics, the original gatekeepers. Oh, <laughs> you're so right. No pearly gates for you, heretic. Like, they hate her. Why we must tear ourselves apart for this small question of religion. Catholic or Protestant. You think it's small, though it killed your mother? 
We all believe in God, my lords. No, madam. There is only one true belief. The other, heresy. I I just, I, it's so, it's mind-boggling to me. And this has been going on for more than half a millennium. Cut to Queen Mary losing it. Oh, God. Because her husband left her and her baby is actually a tumor. Yeah, she's not pregnant, folks. She has uterine cancer. Yeah, and uterine cancer is what ended up killing her. She summons Elizabeth to her chambers and is she really Mary just wants to throw her balls around because she feels threatened. She's practically waving a death warrant around in her face like, hey, stop being hot and Protestant. It's hurting my feelings. (laughs) She's like, hey, don't kill me. I'm your literal sibling. (laughs) Like the way she tries to get her to promise not to let Protestantism take over when she dies. Do not take away from the people the consolations of the Blessed Virgin, their Holy Mother. (laughs) When I am queen, I promise (laughs) to act as my conscience dictates. Like, she almost got her to promise it. And then Mary's like, oh, I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. And she's like, okay, you can go back to Hatfield, but you're going to remain under arrest until I'm better. And she's like, thank you, God. Thank you for not killing me. Dude, we have to talk about Lord Walsingham. Do we want to call him Sir Francis? Sure. Okay, because that's what they call him in the movie for the most part. There's so little beauty in this world. And so much suffering. Do you suppose that is what God had in mind? That is to say, if there is a god at all. Francis Walsingham is always like going to be just like lurking in the corner throughout the movie. He is the Madame Giri of this movie. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's always lurking. He's a creepy guy. Again, I've never seen this movie before. I thought he was going to be the villain. No, Walsingham was one of Queen Elizabeth's most trusted advisors. He's been in exile in France because he would die if he was in England because he's a Protestant. And um, I don't know what the significance of this scene is. It's literally just him and a very young man. And this this kid tries to tries to dagger him in the back. Like with no context. We don't get any lines. We don't get any lead up to that. It's just, it basically starts with this kid holding a knife to his throat. Yeah. And he's like, mm, think before you do that. And then he just ends up cutting his throat anyway. I think the purpose of this scene is to just, to make us aware that he is not to be messed yeah, with. Yeah. Like you're right. It's literally just to say he's not fucking around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move on. I have secret meetings in the confessional about Protestantism. <laughs> you, you go ahead. Oh my God. Meet me at the confessional. Let's talk about being heretics. <laughs> Let's have a kiki in the confessional. (laughs) So yeah, Princess Elizabeth is in the confessional. She's like, okay, I'm here to pretend to be Catholic so they don't kill me. (laughs) And it's not a priest. It is, it's Sir William Cecil. Richard Attenborough. Richard Attenborough, everybody. He is also a Protestant, but he's not telling. No. (laughs) They're having to arrange these covert little meetings in the confessional so they can like, you know, talk about Protestantism without committing treason. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny that we're using a confessional as a cover for toppling Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I love that. Father, Sir William. My lady, there was nowhere else we could meet in safety. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. All things move in our favor. Many of our friends are even now returning from exile, but these are most uncertain times, and your life remains in danger. The crucial information is that her life is in extreme danger and that, you know, they're anticipating the death of the queen, 
Right. And that if we can just hold this shit together for a little while longer, it won't matter. We're going to have a Protestant queen. Exactly. Because remember, Mary's not pregnant. It's just a tumor. Basically, Sir William is just like, listen, stay at Hatfield, hunker down. You just got to (laughs) wait. Keep your nose clean. Like, we'll do the real work. Sit tight, queen. Okay. (laughs) His, His whole affect is literally sit tight, queen. So Queen Mary finally dies. And as Gillian Pensavalli says, I feel nothing. Yeah. Exactly. And I know- Um, I love the moment where the Duke of Norfolk is like holding the death warrant for Elizabeth over her dying body and is like, you must sign. For the love of God, sign. (laughs) This is going to be so much harder if you don't sign before you die. And then giving Mary the last rites. And the Norfolk is just like, is she dead? (laughs) And they take the ring off of her finger. I laugh so hard at that because I know that ring is ceremonial and it's supposed to go to Elizabeth, but I can't get over the fact that she's not dead for 10 seconds before Norfolk slips that ring off her finger. I love how Emily Mortimer just runs in. It's just like, my lady, the Earl of Sussex is here. And she's like, oh God. And they go out, they put the ring on her finger and she's like, this is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. To the north, I present unto you Elizabeth, your undoubted queen. You know another thing I can't get over? How young Kate Blanchett looks in this movie, but especially during the coronation scene. They bodied the coronation scene. Have you ever seen the coronation portrait of Queen Elizabeth? No, I have not. She looks it, they, she looks exactly the same. They hit the nail on the head? They did it perfectly. I love how in a coronation they have to present you. Like, the people need to recognize that it's you. It comes from medieval times when people would sneak into coronations and be like, crown me! <laughs> seriously can you imagine when queen elizabeth dies i show up to the coronation and i'm like i am prince charles please crown me (laughs) to the north charles your undoubted king and everybody's like oh i don't know i don't remember his boobs being that big (laughs) i crown thee elizabeth queen of england ireland and france This movie plays with camera angles a lot, like to the point where it almost makes me uncomfy, but I believe that's the intention. Exactly. Like, it's funny because during the coronation scenes, she's shot from below, Uh huh. so she looks bigger and more imposing. She's the fucking queen, right? Exactly. And then in scenes later, when she's in trouble with Parliament and when she's in trouble with other people, she's shot from above, Uh huh. so she looks small and by herself. <laughs> Like, very good. Good on y'all. So, Sir William is like, listen, honey, your majesty, you've inherited a hot mess. (laughs) Your majesty should know that you have inherited a most parlous and degenerate state. It's threatened from abroad by the ambitions of France and Spain and is weaker in strength, in men, monies, and riches than I have ever known it. He's like, we ain't got no money. The military's a mess. We're on the brink of war. And you're Protestant. Yeah. Isn't that great for us? Like, it's just, it's such a precarious position for them to be in with a brand new government. Mm -hmm. Because not only are we on the brink of holy war, but definitely every assassin and his brother is going to be out trying to hit Elizabeth. 
Mary of Guise is... Sorry, no, you said Mary of Guise, and I was like, I've literally never heard of this person. No, Mary of Guise was Mary Queen of Scots' mother. So this is Elizabeth's aunt. Oh! Yeah. See, the family drama is lost on you. Exactly. You don't realize that all of the crowns of Europe are related by blood. Incest. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Exactly. So I'm sorry. Go back to Mary of Guise. Mary of Guise is a fervent Catholic herself. And is she French? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, Mary Queen of Scots, before she was the Queen of Scotland, she was the Queen of France. Ooh. So, yeah. And what she's doing is she is sending garrison after garrison of French troops to Scotland to make sure it remains Catholic. Right. And at this time, you know, Scotland has its own monarchy, but at the because the crowns haven't unified yet. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Elizabeth's like, mm, I wish you a very merry cut that shit out. <laughs> And she's like, I don't want to go to war. And Sir William's like, mm, bitch, we might not have a choice. Like, we're going to have to do something. I wrote, are we having a singles mixer just for the queen? <laughs> no, seriously. No, they're having, like, the ball after the coronation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, okay, let's have a party. And, like, everybody's dancing around those good old, you know, medieval... Valtas or whatever they're playing. What did you say? We're having a what for the queen? We're having a singles mixer. Kind of, yeah. Just for her. This is, you know, she's getting acquainted with everybody. She's like, this is this guy, he does this. This is this guy, he does this. And then, you know, oh, who's dancing? Who's out there dancing? Oh, is this the first dance scene Mm -hmm. between uh, Elizabeth and Robert? Uh Uh-huh. So Robert Dudley and Elizabeth are literally out on the dance floor. This is like their foreplay. Oh, no. No, yeah, absolutely. This is the precursor. When may I see you in private? (laughs) In private? Have you forgotten, my lord? I am queen now. Yeah, this is like, they are eye-fucking each other while they dance around each other on the floor. Play a volta! And the whole court is watching. Oh my god, and then the ladies in waiting literally watch them bone. I know. Like, what? They're just like, oh my god. Because her bed's in the middle of God and creation. (laughs) (laughs) These were in the days when people would watch the king deflower his bride on their wedding night. That's so weird. That's why there's no real walls. So next morning, the Duke of Norfolk uh, just wakes her ass up and is like, listen, no sleeping in. Time to be queen. Let's go. He just, he wakes her up out of a dead sleep to tell her that France is squaring up to kick their ass. Also, the Duke of Norfolk is totally in on this. Sorry for to spoil it, but he is. So yeah, we're having Privy Council. She's like, listen guys, I don't, I don't want to go to war. And they're like, yo, honey, you need to make decisive action. She's a young queen. She doesn't know. She was only 25. Wow. I know. Like, I can't, I can't manage. Which is a year older than I am. I know, you can't manage your own life. I know. Imagine trying to manage all of England during a holy war. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Scotland, shit is real bleak. Yeah. Um, things are uh, not going so well for the Scots. The Catholics are murdering all the Protestants. Just like that pan over of all the people. Like the, we start that shot in the water and then it just, all the water turns red. Oh, it's so gross. And just like desolation. And these men are going all over this field, sticking bodies to make sure they're dead. And Mary of Guise rides up in all of her blue glory. She comes up to this child who's emaciated on the verge of death, bloody, She wipes his face with a blue handkerchief. Go back to England and take this to your queen. 
English blood on the French colors. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and she goes, make sure he stays alive. Tell that bastard English queen not to send children to fight Mary of Guise. Which, listen, she is a murdering, she is a murdering bitch, but like, she's right. She's right. Don't send children to fight wars. Like, like this is a little kid. Yeah. He's like 10. I'm not talking about like an 18 year old. I mean, he is 10 years old and someone put a spear in his hand and said, go kill some Catholics. That shit is just wrong. So Elizabeth is obviously having her uh, ass handed to her in Scotland, and she's upset about it. Oh, well, yeah. She may or may not have sent innocent children to their deaths. Like, she didn't do it, but she didn't supervise in any way. Those long shots of her pacing around the palace. Oh, I love this, because obviously the ladies-in-waiting give her the Pikachu treatment. Their job is to follow her. Like, they're always two steps behind her, and she's it's this wide shot of this empty hall. She's wandering around, looking for Robert, looking for anybody, and she turns around and screams at them. Don't! Don't! Oh, okay. All right. Her majesty needs a moment. Backing away slowly. Please don't behead me. She goes and hides and she's crying and she looks up and like the mirror of said, there's just a portrait of King Henry in there. This scene's great because she is just devastated and like, it's like she's looking at a ghost. Yeah. She's looking at everything that she's supposed to live up to. And, like, she's like, how can I ever compete? I'm a woman. It's 1558. Like... I know I'm saying this now in the year 2021, but she, like, Henry is dog shit on the bottom of her boots. Exactly. When it comes to ruling a country, he was he was nothing. She was everything. But she feels so inadequate. I know. In this moment. Major imposter syndrome. And who's Madangerying in the corner? Oh, it's Sir Francis. <laughs> I love... Why did they send such children... Why did they not send proper reinforcements? Because the bishops would not let them. They spoke against it in the pulpits. Then they are speaking against their queen. Madam, the bishops are against you and have no fear of you. They do not expect you to survive. Basically, Walsingham's like, listen... Um, if you were to, like, I don't know, marry the Anjous, that might calm things down. It would definitely buy them some security. And I mean, like, um, that's like, I would hate that. And Sir William's like, listen, you should think about it. Can I tell the, can I tell the French ambassador it's a yes? <laughs> and she's like, I, I don't know. Let me think about it. I have a lot on my plate. And, um, guess who's real butthurt about this potential marriage? Oh, it's Sir Robert. Yeah, um, uh, uh Rob's not, uh, Rob's not with it. Oh, he's angry. Like, he, they inform her that she's probably going to get married to this guy, right? Yeah. And Robert loses his shit. He's yelling at her. It's like it's her fault. Yeah, like, dude. Obviously, just recognize the position she's in. And, like, I gotta tell you, in this first half of the movie, I was really pulling for Robert. Like, I empathized with him, I felt bad for him, but he's gonna lose me real fast along the way. Robert! The Duke will not take kindly to a rival for his foot. He is a traitor, and his father before him. Lord Robert's head will end up on a spike not on the pillow of a queen. So as if the holy war throughout Europe wasn't bad enough, at home, we've got to straighten out the Catholic Protestant thing. Right. And so what she's going to do is, she's like, listen, 
We need a singular Church of England. A unifying Church of England. Where we can literally just all vibe with God (laughs) and not kill each other. She's going to give us... She's going to give this gigantic address to a joint session of parliament, which at the time included clergymen, bishops, literal bishops. Like big damn deals. She's got to convince all of these Anglicans, Protestants, Catholics to like sit the fuck down and get along. You know, you asked me before what my favorite part of this movie was, and I would actually like to change my answer. Oh. This is my favorite part of the movie. Oh, where she's given the speech? She, well, not where she's given the speech specifically, but when because, like, throughout the whole movie, Kate Blanchett is very, very staunch, very... Like, she does have a vulnerability about her, uh-huh. but the regality is always there. And this scene where she's by herself in her bedchambers... Psyching herself up in the mirror. Yeah, she's not made up. She's not wearing a wig or anything. She's just staring in the mirror, trying to practice this speech. And it's just so dear. I pass this... I, I pass this act of uniform... I ask you to pass... I, I ask you to pass this act of uniformity. It's not for myself, it's for my people. My people. My lords, there is one God. We have a common... There is one God. This is for my people. My people are my care. Only care. She keeps getting frustrated with herself. There's a point where she actually screams in frustration. I'm like, oh, honey, I've been there. Cut to Parliament, which hasn't changed. All of the yelling and the calamity. Yeah, I I think I said it on Iron Lady, but if y'all ever want to see something wild, look up parliamentary proceedings on YouTube. They're great. Prime Minister's questions, everybody. It's a great time. And so she sits down on her throne, and these men, these men, this is their sovereign. This is their head of state. She is supposed to represent God on earth as the leader of their country. I guess, I mean, going back to Iron Lady, she is kind of in a Margaret Thatcher position here. She's been through so much to get to this point, and she still doesn't have these men's respect. She has to sit up there and work them like a comedian in front of a crowd. Like, she has to endear herself to them so they'll stop yelling at her. Like, they're just... They are giving her the business. How can you heckle your own monarch? See, but that's what I love. She starts heckling back. Can any man, in truth, serve two masters and be faithful to both? This this is heresy. It is heresy indeed. No, your grace. This is common sense, which is a most English virtue. I love that scene too. Like that's a great pair of scenes. The scene in the mirror followed by the way she just slays at this parliamentary hearing. Uh, also, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh my god. What Walsingham has done, what Sir Francis has done in order to make this speech go off more, you know, eloquently, <laughs> he locked all of the bishops in a dungeon. Yeah, all, everybody that hates her, everybody that would be like rallying everybody to put her down. Remember the dead-eyed fuck from the beginning, Bishop yes. Gardner? Yes, I do. Burning the Protestants? He's down there. Yep. <laughs> I love it. He literally just locked them all down there. That was the moment where I was like, okay, okay, Sir Francis is on our side. Sir Francis is going to be our ride-or-die bitch. He opens up that dungeon to let them out, and he goes, I would know on what authority you have kept us locked up here. Your graces must forgive me. But you're now free to go. I am sure this infernal work has not saved your bastard queen. Her Majesty has won the argument. May God damn you for this. And I pray your wretched soul will burn in hell. And he's just walking away like, bye, Felicia. (laughs) Don't want to hear it. 
So, yeah, remember when Parliament was like, get married? Yeah, I hate it, but we have to talk about the Duke of Anjou. So this is Vincent Cassell. <laughs> and like, I love that we sailing up the River Thames is coming this caravan. I don't know. And we've got all these pipers and it's real festive. And the queen is waiting to receive the Duke of Anjou. Oh, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. And we see this very elegant looking man walking up to her. Yeah, she goes up to receive him and like she holds out her hand like enchanté yeah and then one of the pipers jumps out from the back being like surprise it's actually me i'm the duke of anjou no because i am anjou (laughs) yes i am anjou yes i am anjou he immediately grabs her by the waist, gets in her ear, and in French is just like, I'd like to touch you more later. Maybe uh, you're Quinny? Ah, uh, it's very Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, um, no, no rapist skunks, please. I have in my notes, who the fuck is this ass clown? <laughs> like, he pranks her into thinking another guy is the Duke. And I have, why is French nobility always trying to do that? Didn't the Dauphin do that to Joan of Arc when she came to say hi? Dauphin? Like... That's how it's... Dauphin. Is that how you say that? D-A-U. That title? I-N. Dauphin. I've always said Dauphine. Oh, no, because Dauphine is the feminine form of Dauphin. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Also, that term literally just means dolphin in French. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, in England, you have the Prince of Wales is the heir. Mm -hmm. In France, it's the dolphin? (laughs) What? But we're not here to talk about France. You're right, you're right, you're right. Baby Daniel Craig is here as an English priest. Oh, and we come to the Jesuit. Are we here? Are we in Rome now? Yeah, no, we've got John Gielgud. He's Pope Pius. Okay, yeah. And basically, he is ordering Daniel Craig to go to England and murder Queen Elizabeth. What is the news of our brothers and sisters in England? Do they still support the sovereignty of that illegitimate whore? Oh, Holy Father, they pray ceaselessly that England may be recovered from heresy. He's going to send Daniel Craig to kill Elizabeth. And I have a question. Is Daniel Craig in this movie actually a priest? That's the thing. I don't know. I haven't read a lot about the guy. His, the, the Jesuit's name is John Ballard. Oh, okay. I think he was an actual priest to the extent of which he was involved in an actual assassination campaign against Queen Elizabeth. I don't know. Like, I feel like God would have something to say about that. <laughs> I mean, just, just me personally, I feel like thou shalt not kill is pretty high up on the list of rules. I wish all my disciples a very merry cut that shit out. <laughs> Oh my god, guys, in my notes, I have the riverboat party! So again, we're having a party. Liz loves parties. Like, have you ever been on, like, like, I don't know if it's necessarily a riverboat, but basically, like, I don't want you to think, like, like a steamboat willy type thing or anything like that. Like, these are just, like, long boats that are paddled by servants, and they're really long and flat, and there's usually some kind of canopy over it Mm -hmm. for the nobility to sit under and be out of the sun. Yeah. And there's, like, there's flowers everywhere, and there's tea lights floating in the river. It's gorgeous. And, like, I love how she's supposed to be courting the Duke of Anjou. Yeah, the Duke of Anjou is here to get to know her. But he's in a Another boat? He's in another boat. And she has Robert in her boat with her? 
Oh my god. The teenage drama in this scene. Like, we can't play what he says because it's in French, but basically the Duke of Anjou's pissed off that he is not getting enough attention. Yeah, and I mean, like, Liz, you had one job here, which was to get the French to stop plaguing your country, and you can't even, just just for one night, just... Sit in the same boat with the Duke of Anjou. <laughs> just for one night, pretend Robert isn't irresistible. But I kind of like that because I feel like she's just kind of letting him know what's actually going on. I feel like she's trying to figure out ways to show strength against him instead of, you know, bowing to what he wants. <gasps> so it's like a power play. I think so. Oh, I love that. And she's like, oh, you want my hand in marriage? Look me, look at me over here in my boat with my pretty little young thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have in all capital letters, dude, we survive an assassination attempt. Indeed. So like I don't remember what happens. I think they're just on the boat, and then all of a sudden, this guard falls over dead through the canopy, uh-huh. and like lands on top of her. Like he's he's pinned the canopy against her so she can't get out, and this arrow thunk, lands right next to her face. <laughs> queen, the queen, look at the queen. <laughs> Talk about a close call. Oh my god. <laughs> like if the wind had been a little quieter that night, she would be dead and we would not be sitting here. So they rush her back to wherever and uh, no one's allowed to see her because, hey, someone just tried to kill her. The guard's blood is still wet on her body. They're cleaning her off. And Sir William can't wait five minutes to ask her for the millionth time if she's going to accept the Duke of Anjou's marriage proposal. Well, because he's like, listen, you're going to die. You need to marry the Duke so that people will stop trying to kill you. We also get some very big, disgusting news. She's like, listen, I don't understand why everyone thinks I'm such a whore. Like, I I don't understand. I don't understand how such a bad impression has been formed of me. Which, I mean, she's being a little precious there. She literally flaunts her relationship with Robert in front of everybody. And she she's clutching her pearls like, how dare you? I do not understand how so bad a judgment has been formed of me. Madam, you... you cannot marry Lord Robert. He's already married. He's already married. What? Period. The. Period. Fuck. Period. The way the life just leaves her eyes. I want to know how he managed to keep that from her. Where is his wife? Uh, I think about all the men that kept... All the things from her, her entire life. All right, you have a point there. But it's just like, is he really that pretty, y'all? Is he really so pretty that you wouldn't think... I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I get it. I get it. Like, why are we so hot for Robert? Like, Like, I don't think Robert's that big of a prize. Is he good looking for back then? Absolutely. But like... I don't know. Also, back to Maggie Thatcher, not a single one of these men is actually in her corner. Like, you have Walsingham and Sir William. They're like the only two that are really in her corner. Not even Robert, and we will get back to that. And everyone in her inner circle, everyone in her privy, is actually conspiring against her with the Jesuit. Like, it's just, it's a fucking mess. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle of this movie that we really aren't going to talk about, because like I said, it's kind of boring. It's also a little too long, in my opinion. Yeah, like, this could have ended several times, in my opinion. And it's just, so we're going to probably take a big chunk out of the middle, but we're trying to save the really juicy historical stuff for you. The Duke of Anjou is reaching the end of his rope. And so, guess what? 
we're just going to have another party about it. I love the little um, show they're putting on for her in her little, you know, Great Hall thing where all the men are dressed up like Spanish pirate ships. All these grown men dressed as boats. I cannot. <laughs> and you see other men dressed as English pirate ships taking down the Spanish pirate ship. Here's my question. We are having a party for the Duke of Anjou, correct? Yeah. Where is the Duke of Anjou? He's indisposed, so says the French ambassador. Like, th- what? Monsieur Defois the- says that the Duke of Anjou is indisposed Like, Defois just comes up to her and is like, sorry, he's got a tummy ache. He won't, <laughs> he won't be able to attend. She goes, oh, I am very sorry for it. The Duke of Anjou has a tummy ache tonight. <laughs> I should go see him and take this this and take him this expensive ass ring. <laughs> she bought him a ring as a, as a token of love because it's the ring she's going to be like, "Hey, you want to like what? marry your, marry me or because, something?" Because like when the sovereign wants to get married, it has to be her that asks. Oh. It has to be the sovereign that asks. I did not know that. Yeah. So she's taken him this ring. She's going to his chambers. First of all, I want to know how he was able to throw a key key together at the last minute. Okay, guys. This part, it's its honestly the best part of the movie. It really is. She walks in to the Duke of Anjou's chambers, and, um... It's full of people! It's a full-blown sex party, y'all. Like, we've got half-naked people in togas, drinking wine, feeding each other fruit, laughing, singing, there's a band playing. When you, when you show up to the party you weren't invited to. Exactly! <laughs> and you don't see the Duke of Anjou right at first. Everybody's laughing, talking, and then everyone starts to notice that the Queen of England is in the room. And everybody straightens up real fast. And everyone gets real quiet, and the only voice you can hear is that of the Duke of Anjou cackling hilariously. Here's the thing, y'all. I need to front load this statement just slightly. In, in 1998, this scene had a very different connotation, right? Mm-hmm. So he gets up off the bed, turns around, and like parts those curtains. He's wearing a dress. And a big fluffy wig. And frankly, he looks wonderful. You are wearing a dress, your grace. Oh, yes, I am wearing a dress. Yes, yes, I'm wearing a dress. I wear a dress like this, my mother and you. (laughs) But I only dress like this when I'm alone, in private, with my friends. Scene is the fact that he is in a dress and wearing a wig and basically in the middle of a sex party is supposed to denote that he's a deviant or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. We are more evolved now. We know that's not how it is. Frankly, his only mistake was just lying about having a tummy ache. <laughs> <laughs> but he's staring her in the face like, so what? You are wearing a dress, your grace. Which, like, listen, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to us. It's not even a big deal to Elizabeth. But it's something that the bishops would be very interested in. Defoe begged her not to come up here. Because <laughs> he, he knew. He knew what was happening. <laughs> I guess the tummy ache is just, you know, being himself for a night. I mean, hey, and more power to him. Like, he is kind of an ass clown, but I do want him to wear a dress if he wants to. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. Okay, so the drama just keeps on rolling, right? Indeed. So she comes back from the, from Anjou's chambers, and she sits down, and like she's looking around, and she's just kind of laughing to herself. She's like, ha, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I can't believe I was about to marry the ninny and bring down a whole kingdom. Like, like yeah, that's what she's <laughs> thinking, yeah. And, and just, like, the way she's just like, ha, ha, ha. Lord Robert! <laughs> 
Will you dance? Yeah, she's like, hey, you, hottie, on the dance floor with me right now. They're like on the dance floor. They're dancing, but they're also using it as a cover to have a fight. Yeah, no, they're having... (laughs) They're having a lover spat in the middle of this dance. Like, in hushed tones. I was afraid of losing you because I was not afraid. For God's sake, you are still my Elizabeth. I am not your Elizabeth. I am no man's Elizabeth. And if you think to rule, you are mistaken. She just turns away from him. She's like, fuck you, fuck this court. Fuck all y'all. And she's walking out of the room. And before she leaves, she turns to them all and says, I will have one mistress here. And no master. Is that your favorite line or is that your favorite line? Yes, that is my favorite line. Look at me with both eyes. I want that emblazoned on my tombstone. Okay. (laughs) I will have one mistress here and no master. I love it. It's pretty badass. I love it. Also, like, listen, guys, a bunch of shit is caked in here. Like, we have the whole thing with Daniel Craig Jesuit arriving to the shore. And, like, there's all this intrigue back and forth between, you know, the Catholic movement and the Protestant movement. And there are double agents on both sides and you don't know who you can trust. Do we want to talk about Robert's transition to the dark side here? Yeah, what's up with that? Okay, so Alvaro. The Spanish ambassador is basically on behalf of, you know, Sussex, Arundel, and Norfolk is like, hey, (laughs) your girlfriend, the queen, Mm -hmm. no y'all ain't on the best terms right now, but I gotta, I gotta tell you something. I'm Catholic (laughs) and I have Catholic buddies in this country. Yeah. And there's a very credible threat to her life. So we're going to need you to convince her to heed our advice more heavily so that we can protect her. I mean, hey, it's a good strategy. Try to bend the ear of the queen's consort, right? Exactly. Like, pillow talk, as we've seen already, is highly effective. Like, obviously, Norfolk was bedding that woman in Mary's bedchamber. Yep, and that's how he got all his tea. So Alvaro's like, oh, you're you're the new woman of the bedchamber, aren't mm, you, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to try to use Robert to get close to Elizabeth. So that they can have her murdered. Exactly. <laughs> and Robert, fuck Robert eternally, he's gonna go along with it. Like, I love how he he was the voice of reason throughout the first part of the film, uh-huh. where he's like, listen, you're strong, I fucking love you, you just can't get blindsided. Guess who just got blindsided? Well, he's about to see the fruits of their horrible, treacherous labor, right? Mm-hmm. Because in addition to conspiring with people who want to murder Elizabeth... He's also going to start stooping some of the ladies in waiting in order to piss her off. I don't get it. Like, I don't get what his thought patterns are here. She's already mad at you. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're going to start stooping her ladies in waiting and allowing the Spanish into her bedchamber. Exactly. Like, you want her to die. You want her to die at this point. He and, uh, which one is he having Congress with? Uh, Isabel. That's Kelly McDonald. Right, Isabel. I love I love her. Isabel's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And so I feel very, very upset for what's about to happen to her. They are basically running in the hallway like animals. And when this started to happen, I was, I rewound this three times because I could not understand what was happening to her. She's 
starts to freak out in the middle of sexual activity. What she's done is she's put on a new dress that the queen received as a gift. And she's like, I'm just going to try it on. And yeah, she starts to freak out because this dress is poisoned. I didn't even know that was a thing you could do. And I guess it's giving her severe skin irritation. And she ends up dead. And Robert just abandons her in the hallway. He stops, you know, sticking it to her and just throws her on the floor for her to die. Like, I can't understand how this happened. I don't understand how he didn't die. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'd think from touching her that he would have become contaminated. And, like, I don't know what happens here. Like, is the poison seeping in through her skin? Is it causing some kind of respiratory problem? But by the time the court finds her, she is D.E.D. dead. She's covered in rashes and boils. It's, oh, it makes me itchy. I love that they bring Elizabeth to see her body. And when they throw the sheet off of her, it's not, oh, my God, Isabel. She goes, no, that dress was a gift. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth! And she's like, for me. And I'm like, no, I, get, I get I get her shock. She's like, oh, God, that was meant for me. I was supposed to die. I know. But I, at the same time, the way she goes, no, that dress was a gift. I, I laughed <laughs> so hard. I laughed. Uh, I ugly laughed when she said that. <laughs> One thing we didn't mention is that John Ballard, Daniel Craig, Jesuit priest, mm-hmm. the person who's giving him shelter in England is the Earl of Arundel. Oh. One of her privy counselors. Is he the one with the eye? No, he's the he's he's the balding one with the gray hair. Okay. With the kids. Yes. Alfie Allen. Oh, those two little kids. And basically waltzing him in all of his, you know, James Bondish glory. <laughs> I love that he's the actual Bond in this, not I know. Daniel Craig. Exactly. And basically Walsingham susses out that it's Arundel who's keeping the Jesuit safe. He's harboring an assassin. These soldiers break into Arundel's house. And his children and their governess are there, but they can't find the Earl or the Countess of Arundel. Walsingham himself gets down in Arundel Jr.'s face. This is Alfie Allen. Do you know where your father is? And the kid's like, "Mm, I won't speak. But then eyes towards, like, the clock. Yeah. And basically, Walsingham, by feeling both sides of it, is able to figure out it's a door in the wall. Mm -hmm. And he opens it up. And it's a little chapel. Chapel. The Earl and Countess of Arundel are in there with Ballard. It is the definition of being caught red-handed. And now we move on to the torture of Daniel Craig. Yeah, that's what I have. I have, oh God, the torture of Father Craig. (laughs) Oh no. This is some more messing with the camera angles, right? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, because like... He's upside down, but he's right side up. Yeah, like he's he's hanging upside down in a torture chamber. The shot itself has been flipped mm-hmm. so that he looks like he's right side up. And Jeffrey Rush is upside down in his ear like, you fucked up bad, man. What is God to you? <clears throat> has he abandoned you? <clears throat> is he such a worldly God that he must play at politics and the filth of conspiracy? <clears throat> Is he not divine? (laughs) So that's all horrible. So Walsingham is with Elizabeth, and he's like, listen. You know what almost happened, Mom? (laughs) He's like, listen, if you want 
shit to happen and stay permanent, you got to start doling out punishments. We have to make an example of, you know, the real evil. And she's not having it. Or or I should say she's not listening to him specifically. Because she's a human being and she doesn't just want to kill people outright. Yeah. Like she understands that people are trying to kill her. That's big. That is the definition of being the bigger person. It really is. If you try to kill me... And like, I don't, she's not taking revenge. No, she's not. She doesn't want to be a vengeful leader. I love how she's not going to take revenge on anybody, but Sir Francis has other plans. Let me tell you, (laughs) this is some Godfather type shit. I know that you've never seen the Godfather. No, I have not. But there is a famous scene near the end where, where Al Pacino, all in one big cluster, murders all of his enemies Mm -hmm. and it's spliced together with scenes of his baby being christened. Mm -hmm. It's very dramatic and that's what this smacks of for me. Oh no, because yeah, basically what we're doing is Walsingham is having all of the conspirators in her privy killed. Killed or imprisoned. You know, we cut to like the Earl of Sussex in the John. Oh my God. And the soldiers coming up to stick him in the throat with a sword. They couldn't wait till he was done. The shot of Alvaro, the Spanish ambassador, in the confessional chair with the blood just trickling out of his mouth. Oh, my God. Because he's been stuck from behind. Mm-hmm. The shots of the Arundel's heads on spikes. Oh. And, and then I love arresting the Duke of Norfolk because he's bawling that woman from the bedchamber that worked for Queen Mary. Exactly. And she's the one that sold them out. I love it. She's the one that told Walsingham, listen, Arundel, Sussex, and Norfolk are all involved in this Jesuit thing, and I've been privy to all of it. I think Walsingham, a man's courage is in the manner of his death. I'm content to die for my beliefs. So cut off my head and make me a martyr. The people will always remember it. No. They will forget. I love how Elizabeth just sitting there at the altar and she's like, oh my God, I'm a murderer. And Walsingham's like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, stop (laughs) crying. You did what you needed to do. Like, relax. It's hard out here for a queen. And I mean, like, hey. Isn't that what Maggie Thatcher did to all the guys that wouldn't listen to her? She I, just axed them all. She did. She did. She <laughs> gave them all the can or the boot or whatever they say in England. Sacked them. She sacked them all. She did. She <laughs> sacked them all in the worst way. Okay. Let's talk about what happens to Robert. Of everyone, you know, Robert was also obviously involved in this scheme too. Yeah. How, however much he didn't mean to be, he still was. That's the thing. The movie doesn't really show us any part he had to play. We just know that he knew about this assassination plot. And like, he's sitting in his house all sad and (laughs) Walsingham shows up and he's like, oh, did you come to kill me? He knows that he's there to kill him. And like, I heard you're rounding everybody up. Am I next? And then Liz is there. (laughs) She made a personal appearance at this one. She's basically here to be like, listen, know what you did? And seriously, after everything... Like, for real? He's basically, he's just dead inside. And he's like, I can't believe all this shit has happened. And he's like, listen, I did this to protect you. And she's like, no. <laughs> no, I don't accept that. But and so he's like, okay, for the love of God, just kill me then. Like, Just get it over with. Because if you're going to hate me for the rest of your life, I'd rather be dead. And guys, I got to hand it to her. She handles this one with a lot of class. This is the biggest flex. Lord Robert has committed treason 
He must be made example of. And I will make an example of him. He shall be kept alive to always remind me of how close I came to danger. I want you to live with the guilt of what you've done. This is very Princess Bride, right? Very much so. Where Wesley should have killed that motherfucker, but he's like, no, I want him to live a long life full of misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the same thing here. I love it. She's like, I want to remember how close I came to death. I love that line. Like, she just, she just wants to be so aware of the fact that who she puts trust in is so crucial because it could literally be the difference between her being on the throne and her being dead. Also, her fit in this scene is hella business. Oh my God, guys, <laughs> you've heard me say it before on this podcast. I would look fabulous in period clothing. Yes, you would. Oh my God, I have the titties for it and just, mm, it, I would look fabulous. Yes, you would. Anyway. Yes, you would. <laughs> let's wrap up this movie. <laughs> you do fine work in a respectable Honey house. <laughs> <laughs> yes! The whole last part of this movie is basically her embodying the concept of the Virgin Queen. Yeah, because like she's been throughout her whole life. Her whole life has been controlled. She spent most of it in exile, like not existing as far as the general public is concerned. And now she's had all these men around her for so long talking about how she has to get married, how her public image as a, quote, Protestant whore is damaging them. And I feel like these last few minutes of the movie, she's really taking back her own identity. It reminds me, it's a big Rose McGowan moment for me. Like how Rose McGowan like kind of came out from under Weinstein and co. Yeah, cut off all her hair and wrote a tell-all. That's what the queen is doing. Exactly. <laughs> like, seriously. And my stars and garters, it is set to Mozart's Requiem. Which didn't even exist yet. I know, but <laughs> honestly, it's one of my favorite pieces of music, so just let me have this. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway. This is where she started adopting this look, this everyday look that she had, you know, with the pale ass white makeup. Like, she's like, I'm going to dress like a clown for the rest of my life. <laughs> like her handmade. Remember, throughout this whole movie, she's had this beautiful, long, flowing, golden red hair. And this handmaid, this lady in waiting, is standing behind her. This handmaid is sobbing, cutting off all of her hair. The holding her hand to her lips and kissing them. Oh like, my God. She's like, I can't believe we're defiling you. <laughs> she shows up to court like the next day and this is Gloriana. Like this is the famous image you have of Queen Elizabeth I. With the collar. And the heart hat wig. <laughs> and the big collar. Oh, all the wigs. And the, yeah, and the the pale white face, the ghostly white face. Everyone, of course, kneels, and she's walking down in front of everybody, and she stops in front of Sir William, and she stops in front of him, holds her hand out. She's got that ring on her finger. Mm-hmm. Observe, Lord Burley. I am married to England. To ask you about this initially because I was like, what exactly is going on here? When you've been called a whore and a bastard your whole life, 
what the English establishment has always seemed to honor most greatly above everything else is purity and virginity. Like, women can't marry into the royal family unless they're virgins. That's not true anymore. (laughs) I, I would assume not. The last example of this was Diana. Okay. And I love it. She comes out there, she sticks that ring in that old man's face and says, look, I'm married to England, now get off my jock. (laughs) She goes, sits down on her throne, and she's just like, bring it, bitch. (laughs) And then we get some on-screen text. Can I read these two? Yes, you can. All right, all right, all right. Elizabeth reigned for another 40 years. Walsingham remained her most trusted and loyal advisor. She never married and never saw Dudley in private again. On her deathbed, she was said to have whispered his name. Barf. Yeah, I don't care. By the time of her death, England was the richest and most powerful country in Europe. Her reign has been called the Golden Age. I smell a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as I was reading that just now, by the time of her death, England was the richest and most powerful country in Europe. I had a thought. I was like, hmm, is that not what allowed them to colonize the rest of the world? Yeah. It, like, so here's the thing. You could say she was a great ruler, but she sure did empower the country to do a lot of disgusting, horrible shit. Listen, her cousin's son kind of did all that. I understand. I understand. Like, because obviously when she died, she had no children and she'd murdered her cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, so she couldn't inherit. That's the sequel. So her cousin's son, the King of Scotland, James I, became King of England. My good friend, King James. And isn't that where the House of Stuarts starts? Yeah, that's the House of Stuart ruled Scotland. And then when the two died out with Elizabeth he took he was next in line to be the king of England so he became the king of England Scotland and Ireland and then his descendant Queen Anne Olivia Coleman mm-hmm. in the favorite <laughs> yes becomes the first queen of Great Britain ah okay the acts of union all right and then her descendant King George the third becomes the first king of the United Kingdom. So, guys, this movie, I've always liked it since I saw it for the first time. But, I mean, I I have to side with Carrie Ann. It is admittedly a little boring. (laughs) And they do expect you to understand all of the history behind it. But then completely ignore that history. Yeah, so, (laughs) I don't know. I love the production quality. I love Kate Blanchett because she literally is Elizabeth. Would you say that this movie was the beginning of your, what I will call, intense fascination with the lineage, the royal lineage of of the United Kingdom? Of course you can. Of course you can. You can see how that institution filters down to where we are today. Like, you know, you have Queen Elizabeth II. She is the head of this Commonwealth of Nations, which are basically just all the former British imperial territories that have clamored together to form this. Oh, it's it's not an empire. It's a Commonwealth now. Oh, please. When literally it's just the British exerting their influence over the world like they have done for their entire existence. Yeah. And I, you know what? The Commonwealth is actually a very healthy institution. They just don't need the Queen to continue having it. I mean, yeah. Like, the Commonwealth is a beautiful organization. Unites people from all corners of the globe. The Commonwealth is actually very dedicated to racial justice and environmental justice and territorial justice. But, you know, you have this figurehead at the head of all of it, who, while she still has adapted to survive the times, she's a literal representation of the horrible imperialist genocide that has taken place of not only people, 
but cultures at every other corner of the globe because Britain just couldn't stop looting all corners of the globe. (laughs) I wish all British museums a very happy give that back. Sorry, guys. I know that episode was all over the place. Thank you for sticking with us if you did. I did I did enjoy myself. I thought I was really going to hate this coming down here to record, but it was a fun time, and I'm glad you got in uh, another movie that you have seen but I have never seen. But, you know, we got to do one more. I know. Because you got three out of me, and by, by golly, I'm going to get three out of you. All right, so what are we going to do for your last Carrie Hasn't Seen pick of the month? Well, you know, you actually kind of brought this to my attention, because I wasn't aware that you hadn't really seen it before. So guys, next week, we're going to be covering the uh, 2000 British drama, Billy Elliot. Which I I have no idea what this is about. I I know it's a musical. I know Elton John wrote the music for it. That is the extent of my knowledge. Well, the film's not a musical, but (laughs) it was adapted for the stage. I was very disappointed to hear that next week was not going to be a musical. It's another British drama. Oh, boy. You know how I love to put you through the British drama. We got to get you to watch some Bollywood films, get you to go someplace else for a while. Indeed. Look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can follow us at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, guys. We want everyone to be able to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.